This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Wednesday morning, everybody. I am Glenn the Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings from Phoenix, Arizona. And you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for May 9th, episode 1930, brought to you by Horselovers.com. Good morning, Horse World. Big Wednesday, the day you face your own biggest challenge, the day you risk it all, the day you either distinguish yourself or fade into the crowd. Hang on, we're hitching a ride. Daddy, I want another pony. I put 40 hours in this weekend, man, it's only Wednesday. I've been cussing this damn heat all day long, there's got to be another way. So I pick up my guitar and I write a song. Everybody hears and they sing along. Hey, hey. Well, Welcome to the show, everybody. Good morning. It is, yes, I believe Wednesday. I don't know where I am. I, I don't know what time it is. All I know is I'm sleep deprived, and I'll tell you why in just a minute. But uh, Glenn, hi, Jimmy. Hi, Glenn. Good morning, everybody. Jimmy's with morning. us today. Good morning. I, I, I was just <laughs> wondering, Jimmy, is there something that makes you mad or sad because it's it's morning time and we call jimmy to like get started producing and she's like answers of answers the phone with oh hey guys i'll be right back <laughs> and like laugh you laugh after everything you say is that normal or is that just the way you deal with glenn like how's that work no, it's normal, and it's always been. It's always something that annoys myself that I laugh constantly. I don't know how to stop. But yeah, no, I'm constantly. I actually just got in my power walk before flipping on the switches for the show this morning, so I was on a little bit of a adrenaline high, I guess. But that I I just laugh all the time. Being a person that travels with her once a month for multiple days, uh, it's that way all the time. By the way. Because Ugh, I laugh I when I'm uncomfortable, and I feel like you are laughing when you're uncomfortable, and it's no, all because of Glenn. It actually, no, it's pretty just that's the way she is. I love that theory, though, Jamie, but yeah. no. Of course, and I only know it's that when I'm around. Her, but, yeah, so. I think, I My think, uh, okay, just checking, just checking. <laughs> well, tell us what's coming up on today's show, and we'll get right to it. Alrighty. Well, on today's show, Jillian Higgins talks about an educational service called Horses Inside Out. We have a horselovers.com product review. Caroline Schultz comes on to talk about her dramatic horse rescue that went viral. Sally from Heels Down Magazine joins in with her happy hour report. And Jamie finishes off the show with Chapter 27 of The Opium Equation, so you don't want to miss any of it. The packed show is always today, guys. And speaking of today... Today is Jen's birthday, so who cares about the rest? Happy birthday, Jen. That's right. Aww. <laughs> That's right, and she has a day off that worked out very well. <laughs> well, mine is a happy birthday, of course. We have to do this. Happy 
Happy birthday to my lovely wife, Jennifer, and also to auditors, Courtney Page. Okay, I get stuck every time I try and say this name, Jamie. Cat. Tet. That's not the way it looks. And Avery Morgan. And Courtney, by the way, is also doing our product review a little later in the show. So not only is she, uh, it's her birthday, but she's going to be on the show. So uh, we'll hear that a little bit later on. And your turn. Did you do your birthday winnie with chili on it? I didn't hear it. No, I did. I did. No, I did it. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm half asleep. And that's what I'm going to tell you here is um, the reason that I'm a little asleep is because I decided yesterday afternoon, a while ago, people had, had asked me a bunch of military wives. Okay. I'll give you the real story. Hey, let's all go in and get together and get tickets to Taylor Swift. I've got pre-sale. I'll get on and buy. Another girl's like, oh, my God, I got pre-sale, too. Okay, I'll go buy Taylor Swift tickets. I'll get them all, and then we'll, like, send them out to everybody. Who wants to go? And, like, a bunch of us were like, oh, go, 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 go. So I volunteered. I want to go. So pre-sale number one buys her four or whatever. Pre-sale number two buys her four. And they come to me, and they say, Jamie, we got the Taylor Swift pre-sale tickets. And I'm like, sweet. That's awesome. Unfortunately, we only got eight and you're number nine. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> so I like totally got mean girled out of going to Taylor Swift. They really didn't and want I was you there. Like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm watching all of them post pictures. I'm like, oh, on, Taylor Swift. Day. And I was like, you know what? I don't need you. I'm going to Taylor Swift. Oh, wait a second. My husband's out of town. Oh, okay, I'll call the babysitter. Oh, the babysitter's going to Taylor Swift, too. Everybody I know in the city of Phoenix, 60,000 people last night actually went to Taylor Swift. So there's nothing I could do. So I'm like, you know what? I'm taking a four-year-old to Taylor Swift. Watch <laughs> out. I don't need anybody's permission. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I went to Taylor Swift last night. Now, there was two hours of opening acts, which... Now my son is pretty sure that Havana Na 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 is sung by Taylor Swift. Everybody was Taylor Swift that was on the stage, <laughs> which was fine. Um, and you know what? They even we were the even the men away. were singing. Were Taylor Everybody Swift. Everybody was Taylor Swift. <laughs> and you know, you could, from our perspective, you could see like a tiny person on the stage, and then you could see the big screen. You know, they're broadcast on the big screen, and the 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 first opening act was this tiny little lady in a pink jacket, and he's like, "Mom, mom." Did you know the lady right there is the same lady on the TV right there? <laughs> like, <laughs> it was fun watching him put it all together. So finally, Taylor came out. Um, and I think we got about five songs in before I had to leave because I would realize that it just hit all of a sudden where Taylor was came out and she was singing the song. Look what you made me do. Look what you made me do. You just made me that song. Oh, my God. I love this song. Okay. And then I realized I'm dancing and I'm like up and my child is half asleep on the chair next to me. And I thought <laughs> I probably should take him home because <laughs> we have about a four mile walk to our car. <laughs> and I'm really glad that I didn't leave when all 60,000 people did. Uh, so we got yeah, home you wouldn't a little be here this late. morning if you had done that. Oh my gosh, the traffic was insane. We got there super early too, so we could uh, have some dinner and stuff so with our babysitter. So by the time he got, you got five songs into Taylor, he was two and a half hours into music and that was it. Yeah, we yeah. were way done. So <laughs> I do think that I paid, if I'm looking at it, per person, we paid $20 a song. <laughs> <laughs> 
for him and then $20 a song for me. And you were in but, the nosebleed section, I assume, too. Oh, God, yeah. There was like, <laughs> you couldn't even see any. And then I'm like, you know what? There's somebody standing up in front of Lucas. Like, why are you standing up? She can't see you. Why are you all the way back here? I feel like some old lady. Like, I'm like, sit down. I didn't say anything, but, you know, like, I felt like yelling at somebody. I'm like, why are you standing up? You're nine miles away. Yeah, that drives me crazy, too, especially when you're in the nosebleed seats. You expect it on the floor. If you get tickets on the floor, you're going to be standing the entire time. That's just a given. Yeah. But not not way up there. (laughs) Man, there was a... Uh, that girl is amazing though. So basically I wanted to give Taylor Swift because I'm sure she's tuning in this morning. Uh, I wanted to give Taylor Swift my daily Winnie. Did you know that this is the first tour of the first concert of this entire brand new tour that she's doing, which by the way, is a bazillion dollar production. I can't even imagine like there was like snakes that came out and draped down the, 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 it was just incredible. I can't even describe how amazing just the five songs that I saw were. But uh, she she did a dress rehearsal for every foster and adoptive family in the entire state of Arizona. Really? And and then met everybody and did a meet and greet with every single person. How awesome is that? She have to do that. That's so cool. Um, anyway, I, I met her when I was doing like my, you know, back in country music radio and she was the nicest person then. And it sounds like she still is the nicest person. So Tay Tay, I know you're listening. Love you. Show was great. Sorry to get stick around. Give me a call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You wait for that. Okay. <laughs> I'm so staring at my bummed. phone. Super <laughs> I know she's, I'm sorry. I had to leave. It just had to happen. Like I know. I'm a Swifty and everything, and but I had to take off. <laughs> well, and I just got schooled by Courtney, who we just gave the happy birthday to, and we did get her last name wrong. Um, of course, she says I was just guessing. She says it's teat, like a cow udder. Teat. So, there you go. See, I said tet, because I felt like if it was not teat, teat then yeah, she would have right. been mad that exactly. we call it teat. And Courtney, God, did you go through high school with that? Because I got to imagine that was tough at times. Really must have been. They're cruel and Girls school. aren't as mean about names as boys are, though. They aren't? No. Jeez, mine was Hebert, and I got crucified. Why? Oh, heebie-jeebie. Uh, there was a whole litany of them. Guys will find anything to crucify you about your name. Oh, you know what? I did get called Jamie Massive. <laughs> well, see? There you go. And it was massive. <laughs> awful. I know. You know what, Linda? I still remember that, you bitch. And I will never forget it. You and Gretchen can go sit and spin for all I care, okay? <laughs> I'm, I'm like venting. I'm venting about my mean girl experiences today. That's right, Susie. I remember you would asking me if I wanted Taylor Swift tickets. And you know what? You said, great, I'll get them. And then Susie has to call me up and be like, mm, by the way, uh, you're not going. We totally picked everybody over you. My, mine cool. was Jack on the uh, late bus after he was a football player and used to pick on me endlessly on the late bus after sports practice. Yeah. So really? We all have ours. Who yeah, was I yours, beat, Jimmy? I Who was yours? Jimmy. I Your just t- beat up I beat up two brothers when I was in fifth grade and no one ever messed with me after that. Oh, there you go. See, that was the mistake we made, Jamie. We didn't beat anybody oh, up in fifth coming. grade. <laughs> it's it like elementary school in prison, the same thing. When you get in there, kick somebody's ass and that's, then you'll be fine. That's right. <laughs> One guy said something awful that should never be repeated to me. So I started beating him up. And then his older brother came around the corner, so I beat him up too. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the end of that. <laughs> so. 
Are you sure you're not a horse chick? Like that's a horse girl thing for sure. At heart. At heart. All right, let's go to our first guest. Oh, we have to tease something that's coming up, right? I want to, but I want to start a thread though. And, and and it's untagging, not not tagging, but like on the Horses in the Morning Auditor's Facebook page. I just want you to write the first name of that bully or two, like I had Linda and Gretchen. But I, I want to know like the first names of your bully. There you go. Because everybody had one. All right, we'll have to post that. <laughs> All right, well, we're going to do something a little more positive now. But right after we have our first guest, Jillian Higgins is coming on. Uh, and she's going to talk about Horses Inside Out, which is so cool. And I know you've all seen the videos of this. But um, later on, of course, we're going to have the girl who went down the highway and rescued that horse. She was incredible, too. But you're also going to, you also got your DNA results for Thor and Zeus. No, for Zeus and Magic. Precious Zeus Magic, Magic. Jennings. Okay, so we're yes. going to have those today? That's coming up too? It is shocking. You are not going to want to miss it. Well, Zeus is a Mustang, so could be anything, really. Yeah, but so how it works, yeah, so that's how it works. It kind of yeah. goes into, well, you know, we first of all, we don't know what Magic is. We have no clue. They, they actually told me to DNA test her. The rest and of that's, they were like, uh, we want to know. listeners, that's Jamie's uh, little little black pony. Little black rescue pony, yeah, and black uh, rescue. she is a. I don't. Well, we'll, yeah, we'll find she, out. All right, we'll find excited out. Excited to hear, especially with the pony. I'm cu- really curious about the pony, dude. You're not gonna believe it. All right, let's see if we can. We're going to England for this, which means we have to do it live. So we'll see if we get Jillian on here. Uh, so let's see how this works. Hopefully, her Skype is working. We'll find out. Hello, hello. This is uh, Glenn and Jamie. How are you? Hi, I'm very well, thank you. Morning. Well, you sound Morning. great. This is perfect. So, <laughs> oh, good. That's good. So thank you for joining us. Jeez, everybody has seen Horses Inside Out, whether they know it or not, because we've all seen the pictures and videos of what you do, and it is so cool. Oh, thank you. Well, that's uh, that's good to hear. <laughs> so tell us, for those that haven't or don't know what we're talking about, tell us about Horses Inside Out and what you do. Well, basically, I paint the skeleton, muscles, and other anatomical systems actually onto the side of real live horses. And the purpose of doing this is to inspire, to educate, um, and help horsey people learn all about how their loved horses work. Because I believe the more we can understand about how they work, they work. It can help us to improve the way we ride, train, manage, look after our horses. So, uh, yeah, we can improve their performance and ultimately their welfare. But painting on the horses, on these real live horses, it's just such a good way of training the eye um, and really helping people to to see what's going on. Um, I, I think sometimes anatomy and biomechanics can seem a bit of a difficult or a dry subject, but not this way. Yeah, because is- you can't see it when it's happening. When the horse is going around, you don't see it. Um, you know what parts are in there, if you know anything about horses, but you don't really see how they're moving together, and that's what these videos do. And that's what's so impressive about it. Plus, you're a heck of an artist, by the way. So there's oh, that. <laughs> <laughs> do you ever hope? Do you ever wish, after you've painted your 100th one for the next clinic, that you could just keep this one horse painted and bring him along? 
It would be great. It would be uh, yeah, <laughs> quite useful. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I, I've painted because uh, I've been doing it now since two thousand and six. So I've painted a lot of horses um, in my time now, but uh, every single one is different. So um, you, you can't just you know take a, a, a the same skeleton and print it onto every single horse because each one is different. So every painting of a skeleton that I do on a different horse, obviously the confirmation is different. The posture is different. Their movement is different. So it's a unique opportunity to, to study that horse's movement um, with, with an audience there as well. Where did you learn all this? Well, I um, I started out, obviously I've ridden since I was younger and I've competed to quite high level eventing. Um, you, you've gone advanced. I mean, I'd say that's pretty darn high. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, and I have done my BHS uh, coaching. So I'm a senior coach with the British Horse Society. And I am also an equine therapist. I did human sports and remedial therapy first and, and then went on to do a number of different equine therapy, massage, manipulation um, courses. Uh, but ultimately, I've always, uh, yeah, I've always been fascinated by anatomy, uh, biomechanics and being a little bit arty, putting it all together is, has, I mean, well, it, I'm so lucky, really am, because I get to combine all three of my passions in life, anatomy, um, being a bit arty, horses, well, and and sharing the information as well, and that's that's what Horses Inside Out is really. So, what yeah. what when you do your clinics, what are people most surprised at when they actually watch watch the horse work with the anatomy painted on the side? What what's the thing that surprises them the most? Um, I think the most basic one is the position of the horse's cervical vertebrae, the vertebrae within the horse's neck. Everyone. I think because we can feel our own neck vertebrae along the, the top line of our, our, you know, the back of our neck, we assume that the horse's cervical vertebrae are higher than they are, if not right at the very top. We think, oh, maybe they're in the middle somewhere. But to be right low down at that level um, surprises people. That is funny because that's the thing I was most surprised at when I was looking at your pictures. Is it, They're almost yeah. at the bottom of the neck. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But if you think about it mechanically, the horse's head is a very heavy structure. The neck is quite a long lever. So the top line of the neck needs to be filled with strong muscle and ligament to be able to lift the horse's head up off the floor. Uh, if the cervical vertebrae were along the top line of the neck, well, what would be the point of the the muscles underneath oh, to lower true. the head? But, but gravity does that. So, um, yeah, I think that's probably one of the, the most... Yeah, the, the, the basic things. But it, so many people don't realize that. And when when I first started Horses Inside Out um, years ago, one of the reasons that, that, that got me doing it was because I went to see a client and um, as, a, as a therapist. And this um, client was a um, rider who was qualified for badminton. So, you know, a really good rider and he asked me to see a young horse and uh, he said he was a bit worried about it because it had some lumps in its neck and I went over and had a look at the horse and of course it was young it didn't have much muscle he said, yeah these lumps here they're the neck vertebrae I said to him <laughs> and he didn't realize he said oh I thought the neck vertebrae were along the top here and that's fine you know that that's a, a fine assumption but I thought for somebody that's qualified to ride around badminton surely 
they need to know more more about that, or they should know more about what they're riding. And it doesn't just apply to you know, people that are competing at the top end of sport, but to every single person that's getting on a horse. Uh, I think, you know, ultimately, horses are not designed to be ridden. They haven't they haven't evolved to carry the weight of the rider on their backs. And so as soon as we sit on the horse's back, we compromise their posture, their balance, their ability to move, perform. We increase the stress and strain on their joints, their tendons, their ligaments. Oh, the thought of it can be quite depressing. But uh, I actually think it's our responsibility as riders, if we want to sit on the horse, then we need to know as much as we possibly can about the horse and do as much as we can to help them. And that's really what it's about, to make sure that they're in the best possible posture before we sit on them, that they're in the best possible musculoskeletal condition. Why? And, and I think, too, when I looked at the pictures and when I looked at the videos, some of the videos, I really like the one, too, where you paint the rider, because that really gives you a good picture of what you were just talking about with the rider and the horse together um, yeah. and what the, the muscular structure was doing. And also, you can see how the legs are off. You can really see a lot when you paint it on the rider. Yeah, it, it highlights the, the rider's position, their posture, which um, ultimately, if, if we've got the best possible position, posture, balance, um, that is going to reduce the burden that we place on the horse. And uh, I, I think having the riders in the, the skeleton uh, body suit, as well as the horse painted up, really helps us to understand more about the interaction between horse and rider and the harmony that's so important between horse and rider as well. So when you're doing a clinic, uh, what do people bring you uh, aside from seeing the skeleton painted on a horse? What's kind of the takeaway of the clinic? So uh, I always say it's not to learn about the names of the, mo the bones and the muscles. That, that's important. Um, but actually, it's knowing how we can use this information to improve the way we ride, to improve the way we train uh, and look after our horses. So ultimately, it's good for the horse. Uh, people usually leave my demonstrations feeling quite inspired, um, thinking, I wish they'd known it years ago, this sort of information. Um, but I and, and they, they go away with lots of tips and exercises of things that they can do to help their horse, uh, their anatomy, their posture. That's a big topic. And one of my books, uh, or my latest book, is, is called Posture and Performance. And in that, there's, there's lots of exercises um, for, for helping to improve um, the horse's posture. And my ideas of principles are on that as well. So, um, yeah, they, they go away hopefully looking at their horse from a slightly different perspective and armed with a, a lot of new exercises, techniques and ideas for improving their horse's welfare and comfort. Gotcha. Now, do you require that a black or white horse be one of the demo horses? <laughs> because your uh, paintings are incredible. I can't imagine. I don't, I don't see many chestnuts in these pictures. <laughs> oh, no, no. Uh, chest, chestnuts, duns, palominos are, are probably one of my favorite colors to paint. I, I will paint any colored of color of horse as long as it's the same color um painting you know colored horses pieballs skewballs that sort of thing is quite difficult it doesn't show up quite as well but as long as they're one plain color no spotted so. appaloosas then probably uh, uh, no that's know. a little bit hard <laughs> <laughs>
You know, the other one that I saw in there, which I thought was interesting, because I've had greyhounds for probably 20 years, and you had one in there where you painted the skeleton or the muscular structure and skeleton of the dog. And now, these pictures, by the way, are on horsesinsideout.com, if you guys want to follow along with uh, looking at these pictures, uh, and the one of the dog is on there, too. Yeah, and I, owning a greyhound and seeing them run so much, you know, in our backyard, it was really interesting to see how they're put together, too. Yeah, I painted, uh, I've done a, a Great Dane and a Doberman. <laughs> uh, that was actually for the Kennel Club. But um, dogs aren't my speciality. And if you look closely, I think they look at, well, there's similarities between the equine skeleton and the canine skeleton. Um, and yes, yeah, so I, I did those for some uh, different conferences. But most of my work is, um, yeah. It was interesting, really. though, to see it. It really was. Oh, it's fascinating. And, and when you consider the comparative anatomy of the dog and the horse as well, that, that's fascinating to see the the range of movement through the the animal's back um, compared to the horses. So yeah, really so good. The course that you do too, you do a bunch of different courses. Are these all in in Great Britain or in England specifically, or? No, I travel all over the place. Okay. Um, I, um, I I do a ra- whole range of different courses, lectures, demonstrations. Um, as I've been painting horses for a long time now, I have quite a bank of video, um, which I use for non-painted horse demonstrations. So you have, um, it, which is really good because you can look at the slow motion um, of the horses, which is uh, just yeah insightful. You could see so much more. But I, I, I travel all over the place. I, I generally do one. Uh, well, no more than one foreign trip a month because, well, there's just so many countries in the world to go to. But um, uh, well, Yeah, and I, I was looking at some of the other courses you did, like Practical Anatomy and Biomechanics course for the saddlery professionals, for the saddle fitters. And I got to imagine that that, that one has got to be effective for them to really see the painted horse. Um, yeah, ab- absolutely. I, I think to really understand the anatomy of the the area that they're fitting a saddle to or designing making a saddle for and the same with the bridle so really going into detail about the anatomy and the biomechanics of those areas specific for that profession and i I do other courses um specifically for uh, other professionals so i do courses for farriers and obviously looking at the anatomy of the the limbs and going up but the relationship between the limbs and the rest of the body the the hooves the feet and the rest of the body uh also for therapists as well so um try to cover sort of all different um aspects disciplines uh, of the industry well uh, this is really cool and i really love that you took a took something that was unique and, and made a business out of it. I really love that, too. Uh, it's I'm so lucky that I get to do what, what I love and that, that it's worked out to, to be a, become a business and that so many people um, enjoy my work. And I, I really do appreciate that. And I hope that all their horses ultimately benefit from, from what I do. Is Posture and Performance, your book, uh, Principles of Training Horses from the uh, Anatomical Perspective, is that available in the United States? Yes, I think it is because it's published with FW Media, which is um, an American publisher. So okay. it should be. Um, in fact, uh, the my first two books, How Your Horse Moves, 
horse anatomy for performance as well as posture and performance. They, they should all be available. Um, and I've got Pilates for horses, which is a really popular one. Anatomy poster books, DVDs. They're, they're all on my website, actually, which okay. um, uh, is horsesinsideout.com. And um, I regularly post out to America. So if, if anybody is uh, wants to have a look on there, there's quite a lot of... Uh, and I did just check. It's available on Amazon here under the uh, hardcover or a Kindle. So either one. So it's available on Amazon. Uh, so you can find it uh, here in the United States there. But you can also, uh, we have listeners from all over the world, go to horsesinsideout.com. And if they want to book you, that's where they also go, correct? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Well, this has been fun and uh, great work, and you are a hell of an artist. You really are. So when you get tired of the horse thing, you can become a starving artist after that. Um, so. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. It's, uh... it's great. Terrific. Well, thank you so much for joining us. That's a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank right. you. Okay, bye. All right, I couldn't do that. Can you imagine if I... you and I tried to paint this, what it would look like? No, I mean, I'd be like, ho, whoa, 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 ho, ho, <laughs> exactly. hold still, hold still. And hold I, still. it would be like a splatter paint job by the time <laughs> I was look done. look like tie-dye. <laughs> be like when the girls have the pony painting parties here at my house and there's like a handprint on the forehead. <laughs> you know, right. like that would be like, hold be, still, oh man. That white horse would be tie-dyed, looking like the 60s. <clears throat> oh yeah, yeah. total <laughs> mess, total mess. You know, I, she, I've seen videos of her before and uh, what a super, super nice person and obviously knows her stuff. So I, I guess if you, if you see one of those clinics coming up, it probably would be fun to go to. I just want to go on the record saying that British people are in niceness second only to Canadians. So there you I go. <laughs> um, let's go ahead and let's hear from Horse Lovers, our product review, and I will come back and I will reveal the DNA mystery that is the two horses in my backyard. All right, good. Well, let's, uh, this review is done by Courtney Teat and Jennifer did this. So they got together and did this review and it's for two of our sponsors today, Ovation and Horselovers.com. So let's take a listen. It's product review time. My favorite part of the show where I get to hang out with giving, dedicated volunteer listeners who take on a product that they're not familiar with and they test it out and then they come on the air and they tell us all about whether they loved it or not. And I'm here with Courtney Teat this evening. How are you doing, Courtney? I'm fantastic. Thank you for having me. This is so much fun. Uh, didn't you play trivia with us a little while ago? Mm, not trivia, but I was the first and only dating game. Oh, that's <laughs> right. That's right. You were You're the kind dating of like game. trivia. Yeah. 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 In, in all kinds of ways. <laughs> that's right. Well, this evening... Courtney is going to review for us the Ovation Mudster Shoe and Boot Saver. So tell us about, first, what the heck is it and whether or not you loved it. So it is a half slip-on shoe. So you would slip it on over, like, your tall boots or your paddock boots. Um, it's very narrow. I was hoping it'd be a little bit more stretchy so that I could slip it over my tennis shoes. Not working out. But I did actually put it on my bare foot and run outside in the rain once. And it worked fine for that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like um, a boot rubber, except your it doesn't cover up the heel of your boot. It's like it got a cutout where the heel of your boot would go. Right. And it's not rubber. It's like a neoprene. Uh, oh. Kind of like the wetsuit material. Okay. 
Um, the bottom is hard plastic, uh, probably a hard rubber, like really, really tough rubber. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's got like grooves in it. So it's grippy and everything. So when you are in the mud, you can get a little bit of traction, but the heel, you're correct. It doesn't cover the heel of your boot, but the Velcro that goes around it, cause it is Velcro latch is big enough that it also protects the back of your boot. So the only part of your boot that's going to touch the ground is literally just the heel. Interesting. Now, have you tried them on your tall boots or on your paddock boots? Both. I wore them with both, and they fit both my tall. Um, so I have two pair of tall boots. I have one zippered pair that's a little bit more rugged and like the new AG type ones um, with the big zippers and the big toes and stuff. I slid it into that, and it fit perfect into that. I also have the older style pull-on tall boots that are like sucking in your leg. You can't breathe in it. Uh, It's great on that. Um, And then I also used it with my uh, lace-up paddock boots, and it fit on that perfect, too. Oh, well, they fit all three then. And they seem to come in one color, boring old black. Yes, but it's pretty. It works. (laughs) (laughs) They they kind of match that way. Now, durability-wise, do you feel like the Velcro held up reasonably well? Absolutely. I'm hard on everything that I own. I literally don't take care of anything. Um, <laughs> so it made it through the wet Tennessee. It's still making it through the nasty wet Tennessee weather because um, we have only had rain since like December. Um, and it's still perfectly fine. I hose them off um, and then I'll just hang them up on a rack uh, in the tack room and let them dry overnight. And then I'll throw them back on in the morning. They're good to go. And I do this daily. So. Oh, there you go. They're <laughs> getting a good workout. Still is, yeah, everything's still in brand new condition. It looks like I've never even worn them. Well, cool. That is the Ovation Mudster Shoe and Boot Savers. And they are available as we record this review from horselovers.com. That's horselovers with a Z.com for $22.95. As I said, they only come in one color, boring old black. Two sizes. Uh, they fit boot size 6 through 8.5, or they fit size boot size 9 through 11, two sizes. And uh, if you loved Courtney's review, maybe you should get yourself a pair of those. Thank you very much, Courtney. And of course, you can find Thank you. You can find all of the products at Horse Lovers at horselovers.com and also ovationriding.com for all of Ovation's terrific products. All right, it is time to get the results. The results are in. <sighs> okay. Let's see here. Of course, my little email here just disappeared. So now these right. are the DNA results of what who do you want to start with? So let's Let's start with Zeus. So what happens is you pull 30. Uh, uh, we're going to get somebody on to really explain this better. We've had them on before, but it was a couple of years ago. Um, so what happens is for horses that you don't know what their DNA is or what, what they are, you pull, you know, 30 to 40 strands of hair from the mane and you mail it to Texas A&M and they send you back an ancestral equine DNA report. Now, they they've identified like 1500 breeds but they've they've brought broken it down to 50 breeds of horses that that they test for and some of these breeds are fairly ancient and a lot of these breeds like when i dna tested thor he came back as a barb quarter horse new forest pony and i was like what i got to look and see what a barb looks like who knows what a barb looks like well guess what a barb looks like thor Kind of drafty, right? It looks like Thor. Yeah, it's like kind of uh, that's that's really an kind of archaic. It's it's a foundation Mustang kind of horse. Okay, 
So a lot of these on here, you just really don't know what they are. So I got, got the reports back and, um, let's start with Zeus. If you look at Zeus and we'll post a picture of them on our Facebook page and, and say what breeds they are. But if you look at Zeus, he is almost indistinguishable. Like there's not one breed. If you look at him, you're like, Oh my God, he's obviously got quarter horse. And I want to give the auditors props, all of our horses in the morning, Facebook page auditors, because I teased that I was going to talk about this and the responses have been incredible on everybody guessing. Where's anybody um, absolutely right? Oh God, no. (laughs) (laughs) Like I did think that the person who said that he should be, uh, have part unicorn in him was totally right. (laughs) Another person said potentially Tasmanian devil. Yes. I agree with that too. It's like a unicorn Tasmanian devil cross. Uh, however, that is not the case. So, um, and which do we know? So with Zeus, where did he come from? Which, which state? So so he, I adopted him in Nevada in Northern Nevada correctional center, which is the prison. And, you know, a lot of times, most of the times when you adopt a Mustang, they tell you like Zeus came from Black Rock, Nevada, his HMA or herd management area was Black Rock. Well, Zeus's mama was captured and Zeus was born in holding Uh, and they don't, unless I don't think you can even find out what herd his mama's from. Like they don't keep all the bloodlines and genetics. Yeah. Yeah, So somewhere close to Nevada, I would imagine somewhere (laughs) around Nevada, but I don't know because they don't tell you all I know is he was facility born. I don't know what herd his genetics are from. So, uh, they range these these uh, these uh, types of the fifty breeds. You've got things like thoroughbred, Tennessee Walker, standard bred, Shetland Pony, Quarter Horse, things like that. But they also go all the way back to I don't know what this is, but a Campolina, um, uh, Cleveland Bay, uh, yeah. Exmoor, Dales, Fell Pony. Cell Francais, Frisian, Hackney Horse, Halflinger, Hanoverian, Holsteiner. So some very kind of popular breeds, but also the Noriker and the Menga Larga Marchador, things like that. (laughs) So there's a little bit of everything. So the third breed, they they give you three picks, which is what your horse showed up genetically. And they don't give you a percentage, so you don't know how much. Okay, I was wondering that. Yeah. Yeah. So the third one, he came back. Akultiki. Uh, yeah, that that kind of makes sense. We have talked about the Akultikis before. Yeah, so Akultiki, which is a Russian breed yeah, of horse. Kind of makes okay. sense, though. Yeah, all right. Yeah. The second one, which I still really don't know, is a Garano. G A R R A N O. I'm going to Google it because I think Garano. it's from. It's Iberian. It's uh, from. Uh, Gaelic, a, uh, yeah, Iberian horse family, endangered breed horse from northern Portugal. Okay. Which makes sense because so, they were Spanish that brought the horses over. So, yep. Yeah. So, there's that. We've got, so, so far we have Russia, Portugal, <laughs> and then his number one breed. And I had to Google this and I was like, what the heck is that? Oh, it looks like Zeus, a Venezuelan Criollo or Criollo. See, okay. <laughs> Venezuelan C R I O L L O. 
Z R. Everybody is now typing this on, you know, you know that, right? Uh, I am too. You have to put horse though, because apparently that's other things too. Yeah. Yeah. If you look up Criollo, it's like a dish. food or something. (laughs) Like a food dish. So uh, Brazil, (laughs) uh, Uruguay, Argentina. Kind of does look like Zeus actually. Yeah, the the horses the the first picture that comes up is like that rony kind of horse yeah. if you Google image it, and that is very much his confirmation, kind of shorter backed and crusty neck, and and he he just looks like that. So we have a very very international horse. Okay, we do. South America, we Spain, po- Russia, <laughs> Russia, Russia, Portugal, and Venezuela <laughs> is where he's from. So. I don't I don't know what all of that means, which is why we're gonna have to get somebody on from that. But um I just think that's so fascinating. What an interesting I mean, you would think, oh, he's gonna have some quarter horse and maybe some, you know, some barbs, some Spanish horse. No, none of that. Nothing. Again, number one, Venezuelan Criollo. Number two, Garrano. Let me do, yeah. And then uh, number three, it's Acaltiki. I think that's how you say. It. I don't well, know the Atlantic might have been might have ended up in Spain too at some point, and or South America, and ended up here. Or, they're Russian, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I like I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they have because there are some in America. So, yeah. but anyway, I just thought that was super interesting. All right, okay. I want to know about the pony. Tell me about the pony. Moving on to the pony, because this precious could be Matthew Gallup Jennings. <laughs> just from where where she came from, she was up in Northern California. And she came from a place that was a horse sanctuary. Okay. So people took their horses. It's like 1500 acres, a big horse sanctuary. And they took their horses and trusting them in the sanctuary. That's why I really don't think people should be, know where you're taking your horse. If you're going to just retire it, just do, do it yourself it, because you take their horse up to the sanctuary and the lady running the sanctuary somehow ended up getting And it was supposed to be like a Mustang type sanctuary. And then she ended up getting all these other horses and then stallions and mares. And then I don't know, fences broke. I don't know if they just didn't care. Fence horses, mares, stallions, everything running out together. The owner who was in charge of the sanctuary then became a hoarder and had horses everywhere. And then she died. And then it got really out of control. So um, they had, when we collected magic from that facility, which uh, she was my project horse for my advanced course at Monty Roberts training facility. You get one advanced project horse uh, that's your own and ended up taking her home because nobody wanted her because she's a, from this place. And they had 300 horses with 80 foals on the way. And they've now... At this time, got everything castrated, organized. They've adopted out a ton. So um, Magic was just one of the ones. Precious Magic Gallup Jennings Lucas named her. And so they actually told me, they were like, yeah, DNA test her. Because the horses that people have been DNA testing have been coming back with crazy results. And her results are no different. Glenn, what is your guess as to her number one, two, or three? Looking at her, I would have, you know, you mentioned fell ponies. I would have put fell pony in there at some point. Um, she kind of got that little bit of a look to her. I don't know beyond that. Some, some Morgan. Okay. Morgan fell pony. Um, Those are two I'm going to say that are in there. You know what? That's so basic. I know. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, but I don't know the names of all the fancy ones like you're talking about. All right. So number three, number three came out Manga Larga. 
Again. M-A-N-C-A-L-A-R-G-A. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, oh, felpa is so basic. <laughs> Mengalarga, which is different than the Mengalarga Marchador. Okay. And if you look at a Mengalarga, she I looks nothing like it. it. <laughs> M-A-N-G-A. Oh, yeah. L-A-R-G-A. She doesn't look like anything like that. Those are out of, uh, uh, where were they out of? Menga Larga is, uh, let's Brazil. see. Native to Brazil. Brazil. Yeah. Yes, okay. that's right. It's a, it's a Brazilian There's 350,000 of them still registered, by the way. Really? Yeah. That's what it says. Well, there you go. Uh, so that, that's from, from where again? Doesn't look anything say, this refined. These are no. kind of refined looking horses. <laughs> and her number two, she looks even less like... And it's uh, from the Orient, the steppes of Central Asia, the Turkmen. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a Mongolian pony, actually. Yeah, yeah. It's not at all like a Mongolian pony, actually. It's um a pretty, it what? looks like an aquati, like a very refined, oh, okay. thin boned, skinny, up in the front, long back, super long uh, back, Turkmen horse. <laughs> that's not her. That ain't her at all. And her number one, are you sitting down? <laughs> Thoroughbred. It may not shock the hell out of you, but it sure shocked the hell out of me. The number one breed of magic, my 13 three-hand black, incredibly hairy, <laughs> messy pony, Icelandic. Really? Icelandic pony. What? She is not gated at all. But if you think about it. She looks just like an Icelandic. Yeah, she right? does. I'm looking at pictures of Icelandics <laughs> right now, and she does look like an Icelandic pony. You're right. And guess what she can't do? Guess what her arch nemesis in life cantering. is? Cantering. Yeah. That bitch can't canter for nothing. I mean, she can, but she hates it. And it's been a battle to teach her how to canter. It is just not a natural thing, which is why she made such a good little cart pony because she trots trot, all day. But I've never tried to like get her gated. I'm curious well, to know yeah, whether she true. would be I mean, gated. Um, I have a Venezuelan Criollo and a Icelandic pony. <laughs> Icelandic horse. They call them. Yes. So now when you go around and you look outside, yeah, I got a quarter horse because remember I DNA tested Duke too, because he was sold to Betty who I got him from our listener as a quarter horse thoroughbred cross. But he was also, his papers said that he was Palomino and he's a buckskin and the, the guy she bought him from said, well, he changed color. Like they, yeah, that, that doesn't happen. So I DNA tested him and he was Cleveland Bay warm blood cross. So like, <laughs> I've got a Cleveland Bay. Well, he's I've got big a bone POA. too, so that kind of made sense with him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cleveland Bay Warm Blood. He's huge. He's sixteen two. He's a big yeah. solid horse. And um, yeah, I've got an Icelandic pony and a. <laughs> <laughs> well, sell them as an Icelandic pony. They go for big bucks. See, and I was wondering that too. <laughs> but if I list her as Icelandic pony, the problem is. People are going to expect. Oh no, no! You just put the papers. uh, You can register yourself. Um, I don't have papers. That's what you put, like in all the really bad ads. No papers, but she's guaranteed Icelandic. (laughs) You just have to work on the gate problem. Oh my God, she is a very, (laughs) very rare, unique, ungated Icelandic. That's right. (laughs) That's right. She's special. (laughs) She's an untolting Icelandic. (laughs) Uh, Well, you never tried to tolt her, so maybe she tolts. 
you know what? If somebody can ride in Icelandic and tolt, come on out and I'll put you on her and we'll see what you can do on her. Cause <laughs> okay. I have no idea how the hell that might raise her price. Let's see if we can get that done. Yep. Oh uh, so my God, all of you people that I live know. in Arizona that are listening that are used to and used to training Icelandic tolting ponies. There you go. I'm sure that you're going to have people calling all over it's the place from very Arizona. common yes. to bring Icelandic horses to, to the desert. To the desert. <laughs> to arizona (laughs) all right well our superhero is ready oh she is fantastic i just want to tell you i did call the rescue center the woman who's in charge of it and i said do you have any icelandic horses there and she was like nope (laughs) (laughs) super rare (laughs) well we've got our guest on the line and for those who haven't seen her video well yeah wait a second you have because everybody has shared this video and seen this video and it is a very brave teenage girl named carolyn caroline who was at a horse show the horse a horse got loose and ran out and she got on like the cowgirl that she is in an english saddle mind you and went out and chased the horse and yarded it and saved the day so caroline good morning welcome to the show good morning how are you fantastic girl you crazy all right let's talk about this tell us Give us the, the, the Reader's Digest sort of version of this um, of this adventure. Okay, so I had just finished my um, pleasure flat class, and um, I had my two-foot jumping class um, right afterwards, and this was Tink's first show. So I was already very proud of her um, with how good she was doing that day. We'll, and we'll get into her a little bit. Sports. We'll talk a little bit about her a little bit later because I want everybody to know where she came from. Okay, so somebody yells loose horse. Yeah, so the announcer uh, yelled loose horse. And if you've ever been to a horse show, everyone shuts the gates and at least gets the horse contained. But I looked to my left and the horse was already running down the street. Um, And so there wasn't really much time to think about it at that point. Um, So I turned Tink away from the ring and... um, Within a couple seconds, we were right behind the horse, and we got a lead rope from a man running after her. And um, it was about a three-mile chase um, into oncoming traffic on a busy highway, over the median, off the median. Um, police car was behind us. There was traffic trying to help. They just didn't know what to do. I had people blocking um, beltway exits so the horse wouldn't get onto the beltway. Um, we passed BWI. Which, oh, by the uh, way, is the busiest highway in Maryland. <laughs> so... Yeah. yeah. Um, so we passed the international airport, and um, at that point, I didn't even know how far we had gotten away from the showgrounds until I saw we were passing the airport, which was kind of interesting. One of the okay. busiest airports in the country, BWI. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> let's yeah. let's back up. Let's let tell everybody um, who you are. How old are you? So I'm 16. I go to Smyrna Park High School, and I live in Smyrna Park, Maryland. Um, okay. I'm the youngest of three siblings. She just wanted to give her mama a heart attack. My baby. Okay. So <laughs> you are sitting on this horse. I'm going to replay this for you. You're sitting on this horse, uh, Tink, and there's a loose horse and you're like, I'm going to go chase it. And so you go and you gallop out at some point in the midst of this three mile journey as you're cantering on pavement. And by the way, 
nobody was really that helpful. I'm watching. I was like, God, get over there. Like, (laughs) nobody was that helpful to you. And I love how you were like telling the people in the car as you're cantering on pavement, chasing a horse, you're telling them what to do at 16 years old. You're like, pull out and push her to the ground. (laughs) I mean, this was like super dramatic. You're 16 years old. You've just cantered away from the horse show on this brave little horse that you're on. What, as a mother, what was your mama doing? Um, I don't even think she knew what, she's actually right next to me, so you can actually listen to her. I don't think she knew I had left until I was already on the road. Uh-huh. I right, put her on the phone. Put her on the phone. <laughs> put her on Hello. the phone. Hello. What's your name, Carolyn's mama? Lydia. 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 Your baby is running down the road, galloping on this rescue horse that we're going to talk about in just a second. At some point, were you like, uh, where's my daughter? <laughs> I knew she went off after the horse. Um, so I was very concerned, but I was not shocked at all. <laughs> <laughs> that says really? something about your daughter right there. <laughs> yeah, she... She knew not to ask because the answer would have been no, hell no. But um, (laughs) I'm not shocked at all what she did. Are you shocked after seeing the video just how unbelievably extensive and difficult and harrowing her her adventure was? Absolutely. I thought she would be back in five minutes. Um, And it, it just kept going. You know, she was just further and further. And then I couldn't see her. And. Uh, my husband got in the car and was trying to go find where they went. And um, so, it, yeah, it was very nerve wracking. Yeah, but I got to tell you. I'm we, glad everything we, ended up safe. Well, And we've yeah. covered these stories for a long time. And she looked so confident out there. That was the amazing part. Is she's like, I got this. I'm just going to hang with this horse until I can get it over in the grass. And that'll be fine. And she just hung with it. She looked more confident than some of the cowboys we've seen do these rescues over the years. That was what was amazing, and yeah, Tink didn't a blink very an eye. Confident young lady. <laughs> she's like, yeah, she's it, very it, confident, and when she sets her mind to do something, she will definitely succeed. All right, put Caroline back on the phone. Nice talking to okay. you. You must be very proud. <laughs> hey there. All right, Caroline. So you've given your mama a sheer heart attack. Your daddy's chasing you in a car. You finally what? What gate like once you finally yarded the horse as you're yelling to the people that are videoing this and not being that helpful, you finally get the horse yarded. We see you jump off and put something around the horse's neck. What happened after that? Um, so after that, um, I basically dropped Pink's reins and just trusted her to stand still next to me. And um, the thoroughbred at that point was so tired, she just um, she just did basically what I told her. But a horse trailer was not far behind us since a lot of people have left the show to um, help us or try to find us and figure out what we're doing and what's going on. So the thoroughbred was scared to get on the trailer, though. So as you can imagine, getting on a stock trailer on the side of the highway with police lights around, not many two horses would be inclined to do that. Not with a halter on either. Tink walked on first. Yeah, so Tink walked on first all in her tack and just stood there while we tried to get the other horse on just to show her like it's okay another horse is on the trailer you'll be fine um it took about 10 minutes to get the other horse on the trailer um we loaded them up and we all got in cars we all went back to the showground um and when we got there it all seemed pretty quiet so i thought the show had actually ended i thought they stopped it for the day um 
just to find out that they paused the show for me and were waiting for me to get back so I could finish my jumping class, um, which originally I was not going to do since Tink had just galloped three miles on pavement. But um, she saw the jumps and she got pretty excited. So I got back on and we did awesome. She only got one rail down, um, which was my fault. We took a long distance and um, we got third place in a class of about 19 horses. All right, I'm 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 going to find out what show this is, and I'm going to write a very strongly worded letter of complaint for you not winning that class after you gallop three miles. And you get back, and you get on the dang horse, and you go and jump jump horse. You better get a blue. I'm mad. I'll tell you that. <laughs> this is an amazing what horse. Did, wow. What did the owner? What did the owner of the loose horse say to you? Um. It was, I think everyone was pretty speechless. Um, in that situation, I mean, I put myself in her shoes. I don't even know what I would say. Um, she just gave me a big hug multiple times, and she was like, thank you. Um, well, I was on pursuit of her horse. Um, we were, I was, I, well, at first when I was on the pursuit of the horse, I was like, okay, I'm going to try to obey traffic signals so I don't get myself killed. So I was going across the crosswalk, and um I saw her daughter who was just crying and running at the same time because it was the daughter's horse. And um, I slowed down to a trot and I told her I was going to get her horse. I promised I was going to get her horse. And at that point I had tied myself up and I had to get this horse. So we took off after it. So afterwards we got the horse and everything. She just, they thanked me so much. They said how grateful they were. And um, it was, they just, I don't think they had anything else to say. I mean, they were pretty, I don't think, I don't think anybody knew what was going on until the video kind of went viral. So uh, tell us about Tink. This is not your normal run of the mill, you know, like you've had it, you bought it from your trainer and it was a million dollars. Tell us where you got Tink. So I was on Facebook one day. I had just looked at like 50 plus Morgan horses at this awesome farm. Um, it was like Oakland's Morgan horses up in like Westminster, Maryland. And I settled on this unbroke um, two-year-old Morgan Colt. He was gorgeous. So I was on Facebook about to message him when we could pick him up, um, arrange for all of that. And then Crossman Kilpad in Texas had just updated their horses for the week. Um, a close friend of mine named um, Katie, she had just picked up a registered, gorgeous, solid white, blue eyes um, quarter horse. And he was broke. He was super friendly. Um, he had some issues, but she was able to work them out. He was an awesome horse. I had been working with him for her. And um, I was just like, wow, this, like these are the type of horses you can get in kill pens. So I was going through the horses and this little filly, she's pretty scrawny looking. She wasn't the cutest thing I've ever seen, but she had good confirmation. And I know when you're judging a horse off of a couple pictures and you can't meet them, um, you basically want to judge them for the most practical thing. So she had a pretty square confirmation. Um, she had a sweet eye and there was a video of her walking around her pen, um, amidst all the chaos. And she was rather calm. Her ears were relaxed. She was just walking along. And, um, I showed it to my dad and he was a little sketched out about it. He, um, this was going to be my first horse I was owning on my own. Um, not a lease or anything. So he was kind of urging me to get a horse I could meet, one I have already, like, ridden. Um, he was fine with me getting an unbroke horse because he was confident in my training abilities. But he just wanted me to not get stuck with a horse that we might have to put down or sell or it's not going to be capable of doing. Um, but 
I ended up convincing him by the end of the night. So April 14th, I believe it was a Friday, um, I PayPal'd $550 to Kaufman Killpen. That's how much this horse cost, um, which is how much some people pay per board month, um, per board per month. Um, and she got shipped to me after a little over a month of quarantine on May 21st. She arrived in Maryland. Um, and I don't know if you've seen the pictures, but she was pretty skinny. She, she was, was pretty skinny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I had her at one farm. Um, I, while she was in North Carolina getting shipped up from Texas to Maryland, the initial farm I was going to keep her at fell through. Um, they said they decided they didn't want any horses at the property. And, um, I had about 12 hours to figure out where I was going to keep this horse all of a sudden. Um, so my dad was a police officer and he worked Southern district of Maryland, which is mainly the farm area of Maryland. Okay. And, this um, is making a lot more sense. Yes, it this, is. I was thinking that I was like, you are going to go into a career of law enforcement. And I was just the way that, some of the words that you were using and some of the, that it makes sense. Now your dad is in the business of a police officer. Okay. Gotcha. This, uh, yes, this is, this is perfect. In County. <laughs> I was, um, so we found a property and, um, we went to go look at it just to make sure it was okay. And we didn't see the owner. So I called him back later that night and I was like, Hey, I checked out the property. I didn't see you there. Um, but this horse is going to be dropped off um, at like 5 a.m. Is it okay if like we just drop her off? You can leave the contracts down at the barn. I'll sign them. I'll leave the board money. And um, he said that was perfectly fine as long as I didn't wake him up. So um, <laughs> we got down there. And if you've ever had a shipper drop off a horse, they are never on time. But um, the man who did ship my horse, um, his Facebook page is JTEX Jones. He was awesome. She was delivered perfectly fine. No nicks, nothing. She was pretty clean considering where she just came from. He did an awesome job. Um, and she probably stepped off the trailer around 7 a.m. And we walked her down to her stall. She was in her stall for about a week just to double check the quarantine. Um, and that was where she just was eating hay and hay and hay. And hay is awesome, but hay does not necessarily put on the pounds she needed. But well, we she had are, never. Uh, um, sorry, we're we're getting a little short on time, so I just want to know: Would you, if you were going to do this, would you do it again, or would you do it different? Yes. Um, there's a couple comments on Facebook where I said the exact same thing. Um, if I had to, I would do it again. <laughs> of course you would. You go, girl. I am so proud of you and proud of you. I, I just, cantering on the pavement, you're so super brave and your pony is just absolutely awesome. And uh, please, please, please give her a big old carrot from us and uh, let her know that uh, we love her. And please also give your mama a hug because as a mama, I have a heart attack. I mean, I had a heart attack watching it, much less I can't even imagine. Yeah, that was a child. scary video to watch because <laughs> we all know what could go wrong, right? And we're, of course, we're yeah. watching it after, and you're yeah. probably not thinking, you're just thinking about controlling the situation at the time. There but, had to be at some point you were like, wow, this is really going on a lot farther. I should bail. <laughs> was there ever that? I can't say I was ever scared. Between what kept me sane was talking to my horse. Um, and I've something i think wow. a lot of riders need to do more often because they do listen Absolutely. okay so so and we we can't overlook that tink got a, was a rescue horse is what a, a couple yeah. three or four years old right not very old um yeah and at her first horse show 
And oh, by the way, won a whole bunch of ribbons and chased a horse down on a major highway in Maryland. So uh, I hope you yeah. plan on keeping Tink for Tink's lifetime. <laughs> yes, I am. Yeah, I bet. I've in November. I've done all training myself, so I'm very proud of her. You should she's be. going to college with you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, she's stuck with me. <laughs> Make sure you tell your daddy how expensive that pony just got. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> well, Caroline, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about this. And uh, we are super proud to know you. And uh, next time this happens, come on again and tell us about it. Just kidding. Don't let it happen Alrighty. again. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Caroline. And she well, she uh, took off she took off school to be with us today. She walked out of school, which I think was why mom was there. Mom had to get her out of class. So check her out. Really, <laughs> yes. that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, you knew with her vo- the way she talked. There, uh, Caroline gets her way. There isn't much that she doesn't get accomplished. And but she's not like she gets her way because she. Oh, she owns so it. mature and yeah. she owns it. She's adult she just about owns it. it. Yeah, I didn't mean yeah. it in a bad way. She just owns it. She, she's got it. And she does. She has it. Her I poor mean, mama. Take a look at this <laughs> horse. She got him as a re- as a rescue. She got Tink as a rescue. She was thin and and then she trained her up. And here, and uh, a short time later, they're chasing a horse down the highway. There's going to be big things for her later on. So yeah. Just, I think Caroline she's going to And you know what else I'm Schultz. proud of her? She had an option to buy probably an expensive Morgan, right? Or a halfway mm-hmm. expensive Morgan. And she went this route. So I give her kudos for that, too. Uh, she saved a horse. So good for her. Absolutely. I don't know too many 16-year-olds that would have chosen that route if they had a choice. So no. uh, proud of her all the way around. She re- She's representing the horse community very well. And if you haven't seen the videos, Jemmy, could you go? Or we posted a link to them this morning, so they're on our Horses in the Morning Facebook page. You'll find them there. Go watch the videos, and, and you'll see how harrowing it was. <laughs> I like the policeman, though, didn't try and help with his car like they usually do. He held back and let her do the work, because sometimes um, they try and get in front of him and cut him off, and... Uh, this one kind of was keeping the traffic behind. It's like nobody knew what to do Ew. when poor Caroline was all by herself. That's a highway. It was a busy highway. Horse over. <laughs> oh, I was like, somebody just like get up next so it doesn't cross over tra- like, to the other side because at some point he goes in the median. Oh my God, it was terrible. And she was, trying, she was trying to do the right thing. I was watching what she was doing and I don't know if she was doing this on purpose, but she was trying to get in front of the horse and hoping the horse would follow, you know, the pack mentality. But yeah. that horse was not having any of that. <laughs> nope. Like, nope. <laughs> that horse was leading the way and that was it so anyway all right let's get uh, let's go right to our next guest we have sally from heels down magazine and heels down happy hour we're gonna get her on right now she's here twice a month to talk about some stories that they do over there uh and we're sally are you there How's it going, guys? Good morning. And, of course, Heels Down Happy Hour is one of the Horse Radio Network's newest upcoming popular shows. And if you haven't heard it, you should go check it out. Well, Sally, uh, what are we talking about today? Well, okay, so first I was just listening to the girl that was on before me, and I saw that video, and, like, holy cow. Exactly. (laughs) Isn't she impressive? (laughs) 16 years old. On a rescue I horse. Yeah, I didn't know all that. Like, I knew <laughs> I had seen that the horse was a rescue, and which is, you know, amazing enough. But, like, God, I was watching her, like, chase the horse down the highway. And I'm like, first of all, my horse would have, like, dumped me, like, to go with that horse by itself. Yes. And so. <laughs> How many horses wouldn't have wanted to leave the showground? You know? Well, yeah. Like, it's crazy. It's, yeah. So, props to her, man. Good good job. Um, <laughs> it's one of those things you do it. without thinking about it, and then you think about it later. Yeah, and you you're know? like, God, that was stupid. Yeah. 
such a terrible idea. Um, so yeah, so we uh, we've got some cool things as usual. I feel like I always say that when I come on the show, but it is always cool. Um, you know, the May issue of Heels Down Magazine, which if you haven't checked it out, um, you can get a 10 day, like a free trial kind of download it, see what you think before you buy. Um, but it's in the heels down magazine app, which you can download in your app store. So it's all digital. It's right there in front of your face. Cause that's where we like to be. Um, but we've got Adrian Sternlich on the cover this weekend or this month. And I don't know how much do you guys know anything not, about not her? Not a lot. No. So she's a, she's a show jumping writer. Um, she's pretty young. I think she's 24. Um, she trains with McLean Ward and several others. But so she um, she actually just got shortlisted for the WAG team. So we're like on a roll with like our cover our cover stories recently. <laughs> um, but she's awesome. And it really talks a little bit about like the mental health side of the sport and how it's important to, you know, manage all of the different expectations. And, you know, Adrian specifically said that, you know, she's like, I was having these really strong reactions to just having one rail down with my top horse or with some of my horses. And I just felt like that wasn't a healthy reaction. And um, so she kind of stopped riding for a month or two and just kind of like disconnected from everything and was like, you know, this isn't healthy. I don't know if I'm strong enough mentally to continue to do this. Um, so it was just kind of a really cool way to kind of talk about, you know, I don't know if you want to call it a stigma necessarily, but um, I think it's an important conversation to have for sure. I was just, um, uh, and of course, you know, she's trading with the top in the world too. So that has to add a, extra pressure to it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I think, um, you know, she said she's got this top mare, her name's Crystalline. And um, she's got a, a small string of horses, but Crystalline seems to be kind of like one of the horses that has really high expectations attached to it. When she got it, it was already competing at the top levels and it was really talented. And um, so she, you know, she felt like she was not riding the horse the way that she should be. And I think that's a completely normal thing to feel, you know, especially at that level, for sure. You use a title in your article, A Fine Line Between Dedicated and Obsessed. And, you know, that doesn't apply to just riding. That applies to a lot of things in our life, right? And we're always trying to look for balance. And I think sometimes we don't see, we don't realize we're becoming obsessed until after. Yeah. With well, until it's too is. late or, Til- yeah. or whatever. Yeah. You know? And we actually talked about this on our podcast, the Heels Down Happy Hour. It's coming out on Friday. Um, so you guys will hear, you know, if you listen to that podcast too, um, you know, we kind of discuss that at more length as well. So um, yeah, but it's a really good article and I think it's a good discussion to have. Um, but, you know, we've also got, there's an awesome editorial column that was written by Kyle Carter. He's an Olympic event writer from Canada. Um, and he's, I don't know if you guys have ever talked to Kyle, but he's very opinionated. Yes, <laughs> has we a have talked actually, a long time ago, I, I think. I actually have ridden with Kyle. I rode oh, with really? Kyle. Oh, really? How was that? Yeah. Did he make um, his, like, frustrated faces at you that you always see the pictures of on Facebook? Because I that's, like, my goal is to get him to make one of those faces at me. <laughs> I, I really learned a lot, but he scared me. Did he? He's kind of mean. Yeah. Was he? Kind of mean. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I get the impression that he's very, like like direct and like cut the crap kind of, um, yeah. which isn't for everybody for sure. I don't know that I mini George, it, but... mini George Morris here. We got yeah. <laughs> mini George. No, I've never seen him teach, but based on the way that I've, I've heard him talk, I, I he doesn't like sugarcoat things. No. Uh, I, and I knew him a long time. <laughs> I rode with him when I was like 19 and 20. So, uh, in Lexington when I lived there. So I'm oh, sure cool. lots have changed since he's been married and famous. Um, <laughs> but well, uh, he's had kids now and stuff, you know. Sometimes he's had kids. He might be. He might be softer. <laughs> but I'm reading this article, and I'm actually really thinking it sounds exactly like the Kyle Carter that I knew. That you know uh, and love, or maybe at yeah, least know. <laughs> I know him. Um. So I actually 
kind of disagree with this article a little bit because what he's saying is that uh, you can probably give a better uh, overview of this article. Well, you know, and I, I think it's interesting to hear that you disagree because I'm in, you know, I think that was something that it's kind of a divisive subject. And so basically what Kyle's talking about in his editorial is that you shouldn't, the skills that are used. Okay. Let me back up a little bit. So, you know, when a, a writer is kind of up and coming and, and a little, maybe you want to say rough around the edges, they're kind of a young professional as typically willing to ride just about any horse that they can. And a lot of us as kids were like, oh, I would ride whatever pony I could and it would dump me all the time or my first horse was like a stopper, whatever. Um, so Kyle's Kyle's whole point is that, you know, um, while the skills that you need to ride what you would call bad horses or, or ill-behaved or poorly trained or naughty horses um, are not the skills that are, are winning medals. And he's like, you know, I got really good at riding difficult horses. You know, his most iconic horse, Madison Park, was anything but easy. Um, in fact, in this article, I think he called him a pig on the flat um, for all intents yeah. and purposes. So um, his point was that, you know, it's important to have these skills, but don't forget to also learn how to ride a competitive horse. So, you know, that's kind of his opinion. I tend to agree with it, but Jamie, what's your opinion? Because it's it sounds not like that I have- disagree with that. I mean, cause I really, uh, what he says, he goes, where are the medals hanging on my wall that were supposed to appear after all this hard work I'd put in writing anything and everything someone would send to me. Which you know he does what? have medals, but you know, let's not take away from anything he's accomplished, but I guess it's a different mindset of equestrianism and maybe it's the the drive of a male versus female or an upper level rider versus somebody who like, I, I actually enjoy training horses the most more than competing. Mm-hmm. It's, I just don't care. Like, I, I don't care where the medals are hanging. The the right. medal to me is doing a good job. Yeah. And but I think that's something or creating that's, something. That's why you're never going to be it. And I think that's kind of what it's almost kind of what he's saying, isn't it? Because it's almost like two different people. No, it's almost, I feel like, and, and, and you know what, put Kyle on the phone. I just feel like he's like shaming <laughs> those right of now. us who don't want to, to, to win the medal. Like, no, I don't think, the, see, that's not the way I took it. When I read the article, I took it that he was saying, if you want to be one of those people at the four star level, then you, you, you have no, he's to saying you don't have to ride the strong, hot horses to be considered legitimate. Basically you can choose the kind of horse you r- ride. Michael Young chose a calm horse to be with right. him. And I was on a hot tempered horse. Is it last? So yes, by all means, use your skills to further your riding, but don't be just good at fixing problems. Fixing problems doesn't win medals. The trainable horse does. Well, and I'm sorry. I don't, I just don't care. Maybe I can see I just what he's saying though. Medals. I think, I no, I, I see your point, Jamie. Like, I do see your point, but I do, I think I, I do agree with Glenn here because I do think that if you're not necessarily like, so me personally, I'm not super interested in being on a team or like when I was a kid or, I mean, even now I do eventually want to go to the Olympics for a, like a little bit more of a personal reason. But, um, you know, I think that for me personally, so what, what prompted this whole conversation was that I was talking to Kyle and I was like, you know, I was like, I used to think that you had to ride these hot horses that were like, you know, spinning and spooking and whatever. And it would like, you know, it makes you look like a, a better rider. And I was, <laughs> yeah. And so and I was like, and I was like, you know, it took me a long time to admit that like, I like the quiet horses, not like the complete deadheads, but I don't want one that's going to try and 
spin around or stop at a jump. And I understand that there's training issues, but I'm saying from a personality standpoint, I like kind of the steadier Eddie type of horses. And he's like, that's good. He's like you, he's like, what people don't understand is that they say, well, I just ride whatever I'm given. And he's like, I respect that. I'm not trying to take away from that. He's like, but you can still go to the track. If you, if that's all your budget allows, you can still go to the track and pick out a horse for a thousand dollars. And it doesn't have to be a crazy a, a crazy horse. I mean, yes, you might get it home and it might be. That's kind of more his point is you don't have to be like, oh, give me the hot one because that one's probably really crazy talented and I'm really good at it and it's going to look cool. You know, I think that's kind of more what he's getting at. I do see your point, but I think what, you know, Michael Young, while he has the, probably endless resources to buy whatever horses he wants, he's still buying those horses that are, you know, pleasantly tempered that he can train to I be do, as successful. I do agree is. with this point when he says, uh, I can tell you kicking, like when you're riding on a cross country course and you're approaching a fence, (laughs) kicking is a hell of a lot better of a feeling than holding the horse back as they drag you to the fence. And I must agree with that because Zeus has that. We have the perfect five strides I've set him up for. And then he's like, Mike, you're not in four. (laughs) <laughs> three and a half like, three. And, and then he makes this last second decision to take out a stride and like just charges at it and he doesn't do that every time but it's just enough to make it scary you know oh, like yeah. every 10th time he does that and you're like oh my god what are yeah. you doing like stay balanced die. <laughs> <laughs> exactly so i do agree with that part well that's a really cool conversation that you got to have with him i mean your job is awesome who gets to just sit around and chat with four-star riders it was I mean, really cool i mean i kyle now now kyle if i let him he will sit there and talk to me for like two hours about like other like he'll just kind of go in tangent so you know you got to keep them reined in a little bit but it's so interesting um and it's really cool and I actually got to catch up with um also Boyd Martin at in Kentucky um Ah. just a little bit and so just a little sneak so just a little sneak preview we have also um I'm just plugging stuff this today but um we also have this daily newsletter that we've started to send to our subscribers um if it's something that you're interested in. If you're listening, just sign up on heelsdownmag.com. Um, but it's called The Brief. And basically, we saw an opportunity to kind of provide news in your email kind of as you're starting your day. And it's got both horse stories, editorial stuff, um, other, I'm going to say, real world kind of content. And then we've also got Boyd Martin Week coming up. Um, this coming week. So for example, he told me that um, if he was not an inventor, he would be a bodybuilder, which we'll, we'll yeah. discuss that. But... <laughs> All so six it's kind of like all about Boyd. Yeah, he's like yeah, skinny exactly. as a rail and 18 <laughs> feet tall. Oh my gosh, I wanted to be like Boyd. I I have accidentally seen you with no shirt on and got ways to go, man. <laughs> Where do we find that picture? I, there's that no picture. There's no picture. It's just in my head. It, I don't even remember what happened. Uh, he was changing. I was trying to enter. I, there's two writers that I have walked up on when they're changing. It was Michael Pollard and Boyd Martin. And I'm just like, sorry, I'll come back. It was when I was new to the journalism industry. So that's how I got my entrance. <laughs> what are you going down the locker room? The men's locker no, room. Yeah. No, they just like changing their stalls. Like I remember Michael Pollard was at the uh, AECs in Texas. The very first year I was like covering an event for Eventing Nation. And I walked by cause I was meeting him to interview and it was just, changing in the tax stall i'm just like oh my god i'm sorry but i'm also not sorry because you're the one changing in the middle of the barn (laughs) (laughs) well at least you picked the attractive event sally the stalker sally the stalker well you know that's that that it's a new column it could be a regular column sally the stalker (laughs) sounds good yeah right i would never get accredited as press ever again (laughs) i guess you don't really kind of buff 
He so, is. Yeah, because yeah. he does the like, CrossFit stuff. I don't know yeah. if he still does, but he did. Um, he could, yeah. So anyway, (laughs) (laughs) let's go back, get back, reel it in, reel it in, reel it in, reel it in. in. Um, so anyway, Boyd Martin week is next week. We'll have all sorts of goodies from him. So you guys, um, if you're wanting to sign up and you like getting stuff in your email inbox in the mornings, uh, you can sign up for the brief on heelsdownmag.com. All right. Will you be at Rolex again next year? Um, I'm planning to, I don't really ever have plans to not go to Kentucky in April. Um, next year, I kind of want to drag my boyfriend though. Like I've been telling him about it. And so next year I might try and make it happen. Well, I, I just decided I was not, I'm just not going to miss another one. So I just want to make sure you are going to be there and we can hang out. Oh my gosh. We can totally hang out. I'm so excited. It's only like 300 days. It's fine. 330 days. <laughs> yeah, it's like right around the corner. Well, you guys yeah. are going to get to hang out sooner than that because uh, Sally's agreed to fill in for me one day when we're on vacation. So you're going to have her as a co-host. Oh, my gosh. Oh, now, Sally, you're be out of a job. You need to uh, listen to a Friday show if you haven't because we do really bad ads on Friday. And, I know. Uh, I've been I've been um, I listened to one. I don't uh, remember when. I think I was in Kentucky, but then I need to listen yeah. I'll listen to this week's too. Because you have to practice your Southern accent because she makes you do ah. that. So uh, I did go to school in Georgia. So you'd think I should be able to do one, but I really can't. <laughs> hey, listen, don't y'all be making fun of people from the <laughs> South, okay? Listen, if you could do a British accent or some sort of New Zealand or something like that, then we'd be fine. Yeah, it's funny uh, because her British and New Zealand and Australian accents all sound Southern. All sound Southern. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're very unique. Craigie. I'll be the judge of that. Craigie, eh? <laughs> Thank you, Sally. Heels Down Thank Happy Hour. Be sure to check that out. They also have a Facebook page. It's Heels Down Happy Hour. Podcast Lounge. Podcast Lounge. That's right. There's a lot of fun stuff yeah. going on in there, too. You can you can ask <laughs> to become a member, but their, their show is doing very well. So good job. HeelsDownMag.com. Thanks, girl. Thanks, Sally. Awesome. Thanks, guys. All right. I think you two doing a Friday is going to be very interesting. <laughs> <sighs> No booze for me. Come on, Jamie. <laughs> Very interesting. Hey, before we get to the book, I just have to give uh, somebody a quick shout out um, because she deserves it. And that is my friend Charlotte. You may know Charlotte. She's a para rider, and we go out to lunch a lot. And, and uh, she was actually, she was uh, Jemmy's roommate on the cruise. Um, and Charlotte has been getting into CrossFit. Uh, a whole lot. And she just finished regionals in a CrossFit. It's called the CrossFit Iron Legion Adaptive Athlete Competition. She's in the seated woman division because she's in a wheelchair. Well, she just finished regionals and has now made it to nationals. Uh, And actually, this includes Canada, too. So she's going to be going to Canada for CrossFit nationals. And what that means is she can lift a ton of weight. Uh, and that girl just can't be just average. No, like uh, nothing about her. Like, I'm, you know what? If she never would be like, you know what? I'm fine. I'm good. And she Thanks. looked buff before like, because, I need more. you know, pushing the wheelchair around, she's gotten really buff. And she's a marathon racer in a wheelchair, so her arms are, like, huge. But since she's been doing CrossFit, oh, my God. She was wearing a T-shirt to lunch the other day, and it did not fit anymore. I said, you're going to have to get bodybuilder shirts or something because um, her arms were pop- – she looked like Popeye. Uh, she just did. And so congratulations she's to her. So Good badass. job, girl. Awesome. She is. She is badass. Uh, and I'm, I'm so proud of her, and we're so excited she's, she's doing that. All right. We are going to be back tomorrow. Uh, well, uh, Mary Kitzmiller and Jennifer will be here. So they'll be doing a training episode, and then we'll be back on Friday. So get your ads into J- Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com, your really bad ads. In the meantime, uh, we have a book to read, don't we? 
Yes, we do. All right. Thank you, Jemmy. I'll see Thanks, you tomorrow. Jimmy. I'm coming down. So look out. We're heading Yay, to Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> she's making me dress up. We're doing our next challenge is fancy things. So I have to like get dressed up and go to like to fancy places. Hey, which... it's, dude, it's only because somebody had shoulder surgery that we had to that you know, true. Tamper, part... tamper this back and make it like fancy hoity-toity stuff. That is I was all true. down for gaming. So. But we're going to be getting good food and drink. So I think we'll be fine. <laughs> so we'll be good. <laughs> The Opium Equation is the first of the Cat and Wright mystery series written by Lisa Waisaki. It features Cat and Wright, a Tennessee Appaloosa horse trainer, Darcy Whitcomb, teenager with a trust fund, Bubba Henley, a budding juvenile delinquent, and John Gardner, a mysterious barn manager. And of course, there's Sally Blue. Thank you to the publisher Cool Titles for allowing us to read this book. If you want to read ahead, all four books in the series are available in stores and online everywhere or at lisawaisaki.com. Chapter 27. When I woke up, I called the deputy, but he wasn't in. Then I took one of the nice pain pills the hospital had sent home with me and settled back into a pile of pillows. I tried not to mind very much that the barn was strictly off limits for a few days, not only because Sally Blue had been acting so strangely, but because my absence would serve to drive another wedge between John and me. I knew John and I would have to talk soon, but I so hated confrontations, especially when I was the one who was wrong. In the horse business, the horses always come first, or should. It was a rule I had not followed this week. However, I reasoned, if one of the horses were missing or, God forbid, murdered, that I would be just as focused on that situation as I was with the events that surrounded Glenda and Bubba. Hmm. Maybe that was the argument I could use when talking to John. Technically, <clears throat> I was his employer, so as his employee, I could do as I liked. But with such a small operation, John and I were both integral parts of a team, and it didn't take excuse me, a rocket scientist to figure out that one half of the team was a little miffed at the other. In addition to carrying both his and my share of the barn duties the past few days, John had yesterday taken care of Agnes for me, telling her I'd been unavoidably detained in the course of my investigation and would call her at the first of the week. I'm sure there was a lot more to the conversation than that. With Agnes, there always is, but John spared me the details, and for that I was thankful. Her package, I saw, had arrived safely in a glossy black-lined trench coat now hung from my closet door. I couldn't wait for my arm to heal so I could wear it. Although the short trip home from the hospital had been brutal, I figured I was lucky to have been released at all, and I knew they would never have let me go if they realized there wouldn't be someone fussing over me all day. But I had it all figured out. After John helped me settle at home, he made sure the security system was turned on and that my phone was within reach. Although John wasn't staying in the house, he was on the property and easily accessible. I figured if the medical staff at the hospital knew the situation, they wouldn't be happy, but oh well. I was safe and lots of people were available if I needed them. I hate to be fussed over. Before he went back to the barn, John made sure I had water and a stack of books and magazines. On top of the pile was my friend Lisa Wysocki's book, My Horse, My Partner, Teamwork on the Ground. I wanted to look through the book again to see if I could find any ideas that might help Gigi, but not today. Today, printed words did a conga dance in front of my eyes, which were once again becoming hard to keep open. When I tried not to doze, word got around that I was out of the hospital. Cranberry, widely thought to be the only normal berry in the bunch, brought up the mail of the house instead of leaving it in the box, which he usually did. With it, he brought a to-die-for double-layer chocolate cake that his wife had baked. 
Carol sent over some organic liquid vitamins via her oldest who asked me if getting bashed hurt very much. I said that it did. And we talked for a while about how she should avoid it if at all possible. She agreed that she would try. I found it increasingly hard to believe that either Carol or her hunky husband was behind all this. Although I guessed at this point, it was just about any right-handed adult who didn't have an alibi was still a suspect. As she was leaving, another more unexpected visitor came to the door. Robert Griggs. He turned into two people as he moved across the room, which I thought was a bit odd. But then as the pain in my arm simultaneously subsided, I realized that the wonder drugs were kicking in. Robert looked uncomfortably around the room and not finding any place to sit, perched uneasily at the foot of the bed. He said he came to mend fences and that he was sorry about the tone of our discussion the other day. And he hoped I realized he had just been concerned. He realized I was not a druggie. I glanced at the small cache of pill bottles the hospital had sent home with me and giggled as they paired up and began to tango across the table. Damn those pills. In the midst of the awkward pause that came next, I asked Robert about his drunken brawl. He blushed. I'm not much of a drinker, but then I've never known anyone who was murdered before. I'd had a few. Thought I'd better eat. You understand I was pretty upset. I nodded and waited. All right. I told the police so you might as well know. I have a close friend who assisted on the autopsy on Glenda's Cheatham County doesn't do autopsies, So they send the body to a private firm in Nashville. I was there when they were starting the, at first I didn't realize it was her Glenda. And when it finally dawned on me who it was, I was so shocked that I didn't say anything. I should have, I should have left, but it was so compelling. Once they started to uh, examine her later, it, it was awful. I got drunk. So that's how you knew before anyone else that Glenda had suffocated and she didn't die from the beating. The drugs might have impaired my vision, but I could still think. I, I didn't kill her, he said. I so hoped he was telling the truth. There was another awkward pause. Okay, Robert, now it's my turn to level. I told him the reason I asked about the opium equation, the laudanum, and there was a notation I found in Glenda's notebook. I didn't know what it was, I said. Only I had the feeling it was important. And was it, he said, eyeing my mound of bandages? I think so, I said. I think it was very important. <clears throat> Later in the day, after yet another nap and yet another pill, I heard the phone ring. I debated letting the machine get it. I was still pretty drowsy, but thinking it might be the deputy, I answered. Cat, this is Opal Dupree. I shifted a pillow to balance my elbow on the phone, uh, which Opal was calling now. I want which Opal was calling now. I wondered the shrewd businesswoman or the rambling elderly octogenarian. It turned out it was the businesswoman, but instead of lambasting me as this version of Opal had before, she commiserated with me about my injuries. I tried to figure out where she was going with all this concern, but I couldn't quite manage it. Instead, I told her I'd given up on finding Bubba dead or alive for better or for worse. The boy was on his own. Oh, no, she cried, alarmed. Opal was wholly coherent, and I prayed her condition would last at least until the conversation ended. I wasn't up for another round of her ramblings. You've been through a good deal on account of bu Bubba Boy, haven't you? She asked. Surprised at her perception, I agreed that I had. And you care about him, too, I suppose. You must to have gone through so much. I nodded, even though she couldn't see me. I hate that I'm... I uh, haven't been able to find him. I said, he's just a boy and I'm convinced he's a victim in all this. He hasn't had much of a life, but he deserves a fair chance just as everyone does. It must look foolish on you the way I've gotten so involved. As I said the words, I realized why I was finally so concerned about Bubba. He was only a year older than I was when my dad had abandoned me for a whiskey bottle and just two years older than I was when my mother abandoned me in favor of death. And while I knew the latter was not my mother's choice, I felt abandoned all the same. 
Apparently, my dad did too. He was so devastated by her death that he eased the pain in her passing with alcohol and ended up living on the street too drunk to realize he had a home or a daughter who needed him. I clearly remembered the confusion of being alone at nine years old and my poor attempts at making survival choices. If Bubba was alive, he most likely also had survival decisions to make. I didn't wish that situation on any child, Bubba included. Opal was silent while we each clarified our thoughts, but I was afraid her silence meant her mental capacity was draining away. No, she said finally and with clarity, your involvement doesn't look foolish, and I think you'll find you've done some good. I think, in fact, that you'll find him. But how, Miss Opal, how, I, I know you can't see me, but I was beaten by someone so badly when I was over at Fairbanks that I have several broken bones. My upper body is covered in bandages and I'm forbidden to get out of bed for this foreseeable future. Besides, I don't know anything more now than I did yesterday. That knowledge wasn't enough to find Bubba, but it was enough practically to get me killed. Not to mention poor Deputy Giles. Probably, I concluded, Bubba's dead, or maybe he just got tired of being ignored by that sack of garbage that calls himself his dad, and I use that term loosely, by the way, and took off on his own, like some people are saying. That boy, she said strongly, is not dead, I am certain of it, but he may be soon if he's not found. I tried to sit up instead, gasp in pain. How do you know that? Now, don't worry, Kat, she said, ignoring my words. Everything will be fine. You'll see to it. Just remember that in spite of everything that's happened between us, I believe in you. Just think very carefully about the information you've learned in the past few days, and you'll find that Henley boy. And then without a ho-hum or goodbye, she hung up. Before I could call Deputy Giles with the suggestion that he questioned Opal Dupree a little further, Darcy arrived with a huge mouthwatering helpings of baked chicken, green beans, macaroni and cheese, fried apples, all from Verna Mays. We shared it along with most of Miss Barry's cake. If my appetite was any indication of my health, I'd be jumping hurdles by morning. <clears throat> I couldn't believe how hungry I was and then remembered it had been a couple days since I'd last seen a good meal. Darcy's a sweet girl, and I love her dearly, but her constant chattering was tiring. So I sent her with a leftover piece of cake out to John in the barn. I knew she'd end up spending an hour or so with Petey, and I hoped by that time I'd be fast asleep. After checking the security system and the locks, I wrapped up in my down quilt. I sat propped up in bed and gazed out the window, sleepily watching the fog roll up to the house. Although I should have been, I wasn't worried that a hooded monster that would jump out of nowhere to finish me off. In fact, I had no worries or fears at all, probably because I was still somewhat sedated. I wished I knew what was in the pills I was taking. I'd forgotten to ask Doc what they were. Maybe John knew. I tried to read the label, but the letters all looked like Greek to me. Probably I thought it wasn't anything I've heard of before anyway. The pills took care of the strong muscle cramps in my broken arm, but I didn't like the lethargic feeling they gave me or the distorted sense of vision. I knew I wouldn't be taking any more. As the evening wore on, my mind turned introspective, something it doesn't often do. I thought if I had to leave somewhere, if I had to live someplace, it was just as well. I lived in a place where I had lots of friends. If I didn't realize it before t today, today I found out that almost everyone what I knew was full of unconditional kindness, the type that surfaces when one of your own is down. I'd always thought of myself as an independent, self-supporting person, but my neighbor's responses taught me otherwise. It was surprising to discover that although seven years was a short amount of time to qualify as a newcomer here, I had also been accepted as an honorary native. My friends and neighbors cared about me, and that was comforting knowledge. I'd never thought I'd subconsciously seek a place to live that was very similar to my hometown of Bucksnort. But apparently I had. Both Bucksnort and my River Road neighbors were filled with people who had band together to help others. But Bucksnort's so small, it's the kind of place that many young people run from as soon as they're able. Me included. 
It was reassuring to realize that even though I'd voluntarily severed my ties with the little town, I'd created similar routes right here on River Road. My butt was falling asleep, so I shifted positions amid great protests from my arm. The pain was so great that despite my earlier vow to take no more medicine, I reached for the bottle on the nightstand. And then I stopped. The medicine. That was it. That's what I had been I had been elusively pulling at me the time I was in the hospital. That's what I had forgotten, the basement medicine. And Opal said Glenda knew about it. My mind was still slow, and I wondered vaguely if the deputy had found his prey yet. Considering what had happened the last time I'd had an impulse, I supposed I ought to just stay put and wait for the officials. But suddenly, I knew without a doubt where Bubba was. Opal's veiled message had gotten through. Time was of the essence, and I hoped with everything I had that it wasn't too late. Mm -hmm. 